0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at six.
1: Good evening, and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. We begin with a warning from Vancouver Police after a terrifying sexual assault. It happened Wednesday night near Everett Crowley Park in southeast Vancouver. The victim assaulted at knife point and saved by some passersby. Global's Catherine Urquhart is live near the scene of the attack with more of the disturbing details. And, Catherine, an appeal for the Good Samaritans to come
2: forward. That's right, Chris. A woman in her 20s was walking down Matheson Crescent near Southeast Marine Drive. It was December 13th, two nights ago at about 8.30 p.m. Suddenly, a man armed with a knife and with a covered face came up from behind and pulled her into the bushes he then proceeded to sexually assault her that is until a couple came along and scared him off now at an afternoon press conference police requested that that couple please come forward also they were questioned about the suspect's face being covered and here's the response
3: what i can tell you is that it was not a surgical mask we do not believe that this event is associated to any other uh, sex assaults at this time. We are liaising with our partner agencies as well as searching our own databases. We're still early in the investigation and we're asking public to help us out.
4: Yeah, I probably, now that I know, I probably will be a little bit more alert as opposed to letting the dog off the lead and just walking. I'll probably keep him closer to me.
2: The suspect is described as Caucasian, 20 to 40 years old, 5'6 to 5'7 and about 170 pounds with an athletic build. At the time, he was wearing a black t-shirt and black pants and again had a covered face. If you know anything at all about this violent sexual assault, you were asked to contact the VPD's Sex Crimes Unit or Crime Stoppers. Chris, back to you.
1: All right, Catherine, thanks very much for that. Temporers flared today at the site of a Vancouver homeless camp as an eviction notice took effect. Global's Jill Bennett is live at the site of the Sugar Mountain tent city, as it's called, where ironically, Jill, the city of Vancouver wants to build temporary housing for the homeless.
5: They do, Chris, but first, they have to clear the site. It is still filled with tents, carts filled with belongings. Only about five or six people here tonight. They appear to be packing up, but when they might leave is still unclear. Hell no, we will go! Hell the message, a simple one. Those still calling this tent city, dubbed Sugar Mountain, aren't going anywhere.
6: Our first demand is that we want housing, not warehousing.
5: The list of demands is a lengthy one, including 10,000 units of modular housing, each at least 400 square feet with a bathroom and a kitchen. The city wants to build modular housing on the site, and they say they have found space for all of the camp residents.
6: To date, um, we've been successful in supporting 12 individuals from that site uh, to relocate to housing, as well as an additional 18 people. Uh, have moved into shelters since the beginning of november
5: the city says that leaves six people and there is shelter space available but it appears the camp might be wearing out its welcome
7: on. Walk. Make me. Hey. Let him walk. Ah.
5: tensions escalated when a local resident accused the camp of being a hotbed of stolen property a place filled with expensive bikes
8: i've seen in and out of here expensive mountain bikes, expensive uh, those electrical road, those electrical
3: motorbikes in and out here all the time. A very small minority of people uh, who are poor survive by property crime, some people do, the way to end that property crime is not by locking up all of those individuals, it's by eradicating the poverty that pushes them to such extremes.
0: Ignore hey, if you guys him. want to live here, that's Ignore fine. Him. Ignore you him. You can live and do your thing on the public property.
5: Just don't steal shit from us. But this fight, camp residents say, is a distraction from the real issue, the need for homes.
3: I've been on BC housing list for seven years and
1: apparently there's a 15 year waiting list. Yeah, I don't have any hope of getting into the modular housing that's
5: being built. Still, the city says there are fire hazards and safety concerns. And if people refuse to leave, staff will have to seek a court injunction so construction of modular housing can begin early in the new year. Now, for that construction, again, the people need to be gone from the site. The city's saying it doesn't want to go to the courts for the injunction, but they will if they have to. However, that won't be happening before Christmas. Chris?
1: All right, thanks for the update, Jill Bennett in Vancouver. Now, Vancouver's taxi sector is under fire again tonight, with some drivers accused of taking advantage of people with disabilities. Nadia Stewart has the story of a couple of taxi customers with visual challenges.
9: For Caitlin Kerr and Deacon Jones, it is a reoccurring problem. They don't always get good service from taxi drivers in Vancouver.
10: It's gotten to a point where when I call a cab, it's a coin flip. Am I going to have a good experience or a bad experience?
11: I've also had cabs that have just either not shown up or said that they've picked me up but didn't. Um, I've had cabs that have taken me all across Richmond when I didn't need to go that way. The sad part is there's really good cab drivers out there. And I've had some really good ones, but the bad ones make the good ones look bad.
9: The couple says their concerns are always taken seriously whenever they call dispatch and report an incident. Still, they say it shouldn't happen. It would be better if the cab drivers would be more accountable across all cab companies. In Vancouver, drivers undergo special accessibility training. It is mandatory here. And Councillor Melissa DeGenova says that that can make all the difference.
10: We need to make sure that people who are vulnerable uh, feel that they're getting good service, feel safe, and feel that they can trust that service. It really comes down to training drivers.
9: The Vancouver Taxi Association says passengers can also call them to report bad service. But the Canadian National Institute for the Blind says there has been a significant decrease in complaints like this, particularly since the Taxi Bill of Rights was introduced nearly a decade ago.
8: I believe it's educated not only the drivers, but it's educated uh, anybody who may be trying to access a taxi cab, and I think it's a raised awareness in the general public.
9: Still, the couple says there is another solution, more options. They feel there would be more accountability if there was more competition in the market. I would love Uber in Vancouver. I don't think
11: it should necessarily take away from the taxis, but I think it should be another option. Adios to our global news.
1: Some Surrey businesses say they're losing a ton of money because of nearby road repairs. As Aaron MacArthur reports, the owners say the partial closure of that 152nd Street overpass is hitting them at the worst possible time. If you're counting, just ten days
8: before Christmas. For retail shops, this is crunch time. This is when the dough gets made. For stores in this South Surrey strip mall, the customers have disappeared.
7: We're looking at probably about 80 customers now, every single day.
8: On December 4th, a semi-truck gave the underside of this overpass an unwanted facelift. The damage is extensive, and the northbound lane of 152nd Street is closed. People can still get to the South Point Annex, but it's the perception of an inconvenience that's keeping shoppers away. For the Seven Seas fish market, the drop-off has been significant.
9: Drastically, yeah, but at least I'd say a good 50%. Yeah.
11: yeah.
8: According to the Ministry of Transportation, now that an assessment has been done, the work to repair the damage could take months. Business owners understand the damage is severe, but are pleading with the city and the ministry to at least improve signage.
5: I don't know if there's a solution to it, but something to help people to realize that we are still open.
0: We usually see a uh, cars coming in but they end up just taking a u-turn because they need to get out so yeah that's been a bit concerning. The overpass
8: repair is just for the short term. The ministry and city of Surrey are planning long-term major improvements including an expanded interchange to what is already a
1: notorious bottleneck. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. B.C. air travelers on a budget have one more option starting today. Flair Airlines, the latest ultra-low-cost carrier, took to the skies. The big question, though, of course, will this one succeed where so many others have failed?
0: And touchdown. Back home in Kelowna. And this time, this Boeing 737 is arriving as a scheduled service. Vancouver, Kelowna, Edmonton, Toronto. And if you time it right, you can score some pretty low fares.
5: And so I looked online, it was amazing, almost as good as uh, a Greyhound okay. bus. So. Uh, the move up, Vancouver. Yes. Vancouver, Actually, I just found it online
3: when I was booking my flight out to uh, Kelowna here.
12: And what did you think? Uh, what
11: stood out in your mind? The
0: price. <laughs> No-frills, ultra-low-cost airlines are extremely popular in Europe and the United States, but have had a hard time taking off in Canada. Typically, a startup like this sees predatory pricing from the larger airlines, something industry analysts say the Federal Competition Bureau, YVR, and other levels of government have failed miserably to stop.
4: Both YBL and then government have uh, to work uh, hard uh, in order to prevent any uh, predatory measures by major airlines. For example, if Air
0: Canada and WestJet start lowering fares but only on the routes flares flying, alarm bells should be going off because that's predatory pricing. And YVR needs to keep costs down for upstart services.
9: We also um, work to have great fees and charges for our airlines. So through Connect YVR, we keep our rates to airlines low as possible, one of the lowest rates in in Canada.
0: To avoid predatory pricing, Flair is purposely avoiding Calgary, WestJet's headquarters, for example. And because the Kelowna-based airline is starting with five 737s with two more coming, analysts like the odds of it actually surviving. Ted Global News.
1: It's just a ridge line of fire all the way across. 2017 was a wildfire season we'll never forget. Close to 40,000 people evacuated and more than 300 buildings destroyed this past summer. It prompted the first provincial state of emergency in 14 years. Now, the total area scorched, the forest that was scorched, set a record of well over a million hectares. And to help the forest industry recover, researchers at UBC are getting a much better view from above. As Ramita Dea reports, they're using state-of-the-art drone technology to take the research where it's never gone before.
13: There are equipment that are working on Fire 870 at 2 This year's wildfire season, the worst in B.C.'s history. Drones now being deployed by UBC researchers to survey the aftermath like never before.
8: So rather than just measuring at the base of the trees like a traditional forestry would, we're able to use the aerial view that drones give us. So it's this very high resolution data over larger areas that's really revolutionising how we can use in, this information in forestry. The,
13: the technology is so powerful, researchers can stitch together 3D images of large areas, allowing them to see the impact of the fire on every single tree.
6: Oh, it's totally blown away. Um, It's just like walking through the forest. Um, It's a 3D model of every single tree in the forest right in front of you on a computer screen.
13: Drone data captures a more precise picture of the condition of the wood, how much can be salvaged, and what will be the effect on animal habitats. The new technology also has potential beyond the fire zone.
8: Fire is obviously very topical and important to do this year, but we're also mapping individual trees, producing new maps, of where all the trees are in these high value timber areas. We can predict tree height. We can work out the size of the canopy. We can look at the habitat value of particular crowns. We could predict the species of those crowns. And in British Columbia, we're also concerned about the mountain pine beetle. So we can still see the impact of disease
13: the possibilities unlimited the students have partnered with fiber a local drone company which is covering part of the quarter of a million dollar cost for the two-year project romina Dea, global news yeah I
14: haven't actually skated since the other rink went down but yeah this is fun it's nice to be back on the blade so
1: a big milestone today for residents of fernie who've been without a skating rink since their arena was shut down by a deadly ammonia leak almost two months ago volunteers have begun clearing snow from the brand new outdoor rink to allow for installation of the boards that rink made possible thanks to a donation from the calgary flames the official opening of the new rink is set for next thursday
15: diamond coring a hole through the block wall to get power out of the pool and uh... We're putting uh, cladding on the roof of the uh, Zamboni shed, uh, cleaning up all the rubble and sprucing things up. Everybody's excited. It's
1: the first time the town's had access to a skating surface since three workers died from that ammonia leak at Fernie's Memorial Arena back in mid-October. And while nothing has been confirmed, officials in Fernie have applied to get the refrigeration unit from the temporary rink that's been set up on Parliament Hill, and they're optimistic that it could happen. The Ottawa Senators were practicing there today as the city gets set to mark the NHL's 100th anniversary this weekend. Well, the situation facing B.C.'s steelhead salmon has become so critical, so much so that a federal panel is looking into whether they should be listed as endangered. But as Linda Aylesworth reports, many, including a Hollywood star, say, we don't need more study, we need action
4: now.
14: There we go. So how many uh, summer run steelhead do you have in right now? It's around 20 fish right now. Oh, good.
4: good. At the Seymour River Hatchery in North Vancouver, as many as 300 mature steelhead return each year after growing big and strong at sea.
6: This is a male um, summer run from the the Seymour River.
4: Here, as many as 30,000 juvenile fish are hatched, raised, and released to repeat the cycle. It's a small but stable population. But that's not the case in B.C.'s interior Fraser River watershed. We used to get thousands of
14: fish returning to rivers like the Thompson and the Chilcotin, and yet this year we're only expecting 165 fish in the Thompson and 50 on the Chilcotin.
4: Rivers Day founder Mark Angelo and many other steelhead advocates say interior steelhead should be listed as endangered and protected as such, or they'll soon be lost forever.
14: The federal government is currently assessing their their state, but but I feel that we've got to act because these fish don't have the luxury of time.
4: Canadian-born actor William Shatner recently contacted four federal ministers, saying, among other things, that Thompson steelhead and international treasure need and deserve your immediate action. The reason these fish are in such a dire situation is twofold.
14: Indiscriminate gill nets are used, and a lot of steelhead are killed while harvesting chum. We think we have to move away from that and we have to move towards a more selective fishery.
4: The fish are also stressed by low water levels caused when too much is extracted from the river for things like agriculture. What they need is protection now. If
14: steelhead were placed under the Species at Risk Act, it would make it illegal to kill, harm, or capture these animals. Also, it would ensure that we undertake major efforts to protect
4: habitat to a greater degree. Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
1: Late-breaking news out of Toronto tonight, where police are investigating the deaths of a Canadian billionaire and his wife. The bodies of Bernard Sherman and his wife, Honey, were found in their North York mansion. Police are treating the deaths as suspicious. Bernard Sherman is the founder of generic drug maker Apotex. He was recently listed as Canada's 15th richest person with a net worth of just under $5 billion. One of President Donald Trump's nominees to be a federal judge had a tough time at his confirmation hearing, unable to answer even basic questions for someone up for that position. The video is now going viral But the nominee's bad showing may not even be enough to keep him out of the job. Raise your
14: right hand.
15: It was not a good day for Matthew Um, Peterson, a Trump nominee for a lifetime appointment as a federal judge. Senator John Kennedy, a Louisiana Republican, asked about his courtroom experience. Have you ever tried a jury trial? I have not. Civil? No. Criminal? No. Bench? No.
0: State or federal court? I have not. Have you ever argued a motion in federal court? No.
15: Nor could he answer basic questions about trials like the expert witness rule. Yes. Can you tell me what the uh, Daubert standard is? Uh, Senator Kennedy, I, I don't have that uh, readily uh, at my disposal. Or a common method for blocking trial evidence. Do you know what a motion in limine is? I would probably not be able to give you a good definition okay. right here at the, ta- at the uh, okay. table. Peterson served on the um, Federal Election Commission with Don McGahn, the current White House counsel, and conceded his background isn't trial work. And I understand uh, the challenge that would be ahead of me if I were fortunate enough to become a district court judge. He's not the first Trump nominee facing headwinds. Allegations yeah, that like Brett Talley once blogged in support of the KKK helped sink his nomination. nomination, and the White House gave up on Jeff Mateer, who called transgender children part of Satan's plan.
1: Now to the latest woman to speak out against former Today Show host Matt Lauer. In her first television interview, she talks about the secret affair she claims Lauer pressured her into nearly 20 years ago.
11: The backlash against Addie Zanone has been blistering and at times vulgar. What is happening to me right now on social media and some of the comments
5: is exactly why we don't speak out. Because I'm being labeled a homewrecker and
11: I'm being labeled a whore
5: and an attention seeker.
11: Zanone was a 24-year-old production assistant, she says, when she began a sexual relationship with Lauer, the high-profile anchor. She tells us it was consensual, but she felt enormous pressure.
5: I was so naive. And the most important influential man at NBC News, who I idolized, was now flattering me, and he knew I was good prey, and
11: I fell for it. NBC executives fired Matt Lauer for inappropriate sexual behavior in the workplace after a different woman came forward to the company last month. Few details are known, including the nature of her relationship with Lauer or her identity. My client is terrified,
3: and she does live in constant fear that people are going to you know, track her down and figure out who she is.
11: The woman's lawyer, Ari Wilkenfeld, says NBC hasn't done enough to protect her. Can you be more specific on where they've fallen short?
15: I can say that NBC uh, has a
3: duty to maintain confidentiality. They have not done a good job of doing that.
11: Wilkenfeld would not elaborate or provide details. In a past statement, he wrote that NBC acted quickly and responsibly. An NBC News spokesperson said the network has protected the employees' anonymity all along and will continue to do so. We reached out to Lauer's representatives who declined to comment. Zanone says she spoke out to support those women who are staying anonymous.
5: If these women are being doubted and people need to see proof to believe what these women are alleging,
11: then I'm the proof. Stephanie Gosk, NBC News, New York.
1: Kensington Palace has set a date for the next royal wedding, and the planning is underway. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle will tie the knot May 19th of next year. The two announced their engagement last month. Markle will be baptized into the Church of England and confirmed before the ceremony. The marriage will take place in St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle. In health matters tonight, a word of warning for expectant mothers who may be taking certain ADHD medications. A U.S. study has found that babies whose moms took Ritalin or Concerta in their first trimester were slightly more likely to be born with a heart defect. Adderall and other amphetamines used to treat ADHD did not carry the same risk. Experts say women taking Ritalin should probably discuss alternatives with their doctor before becoming pregnant. And if you like tea, you'll like this study out of California. Researchers say people who drink a cup of hot tea a day are 74% less likely to develop glaucoma than people who never drink tea. Tea contains antioxidants and anti-inflammatory chemicals that have also been linked to a lower risk of heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. And the weather coming to you live from the PNE tonight at a first of its kind of event down there. Christy, it's beautiful
7: it is incredible color incredible display and it's just massive Chris now this is the largest lantern festival Chinese lantern festival of its kind in the world and it's been all over the world it's the first time though here in Canada and it's taken over the peony grounds and it's here uh, through until January 21st there's uh, food and drinks and incredible treats like this this is a a candy design Uh, so incredible treats like this and as well it is licensed all the way through so if you get a drink you can walk around the grounds it really is a fun time now i'm super lucky it is dry right now because we did have some rain earlier we're in between systems and we've got another one on deck but it's not going to push in until tomorrow afternoon everyone so if you do have to get outside this weekend to do anything uh Tomorrow morning really is your time before that rain pushes in and takes over sort of Saturday night, Sunday. Now, I want to mention just a couple of things. This is our upper-level flow. It really shows what, how things are going to progress in the future. And I want you to keep your eye on this L, Tuesday. In fact, we'll start to see it Monday night Uh, Monday night and then into Tuesday and it could be quite a storm we're talking about wind rain possible power outages and the possibility of some snow at higher levels so we'll be tracking that it's still days off but we're just giving you a heads up to make sure you tune in for that forecast and pushing it forward into Christmas Looks like it's going to be a dry Christmas, everyone. And again, we'll refine that as we get closer. There's your Saturday rain across the coast. snow in through the uh, coastal inland regions in the morning, but changing to rain. A few flurries for Prince George and Quinell, And then lots of sunshine across the south. Now, for the coastal regions, we'll see dry conditions in the morning. But rain will develop through the afternoon hours. A little on the cool side compared to what we've been used to. Five degrees tomorrow, wet on Sunday. And again, it's Monday night into Tuesday. That we have that potential of the next storm. Dr. Finley Morrison celebrating 100 years. Happy birthday to Vimal Singh and Egna Fark. Also, Lots of birthdays here. Iris Downing and Frida Wilson and happy anniversary to June and Sandy Freeland. Uh, I want to introduce you to Laura Balance. She doesn't need an introduction, though. Uh, thanks for so much for having us here. This is an incredible display. It really is hard to explain to everyone at home how wonderful it is.
10: Yeah, it is. It's hard to capture it. And even myself, who's watched it grow over the last two months, mm-hmm. watching these amazing artisans from China. This is 18 months in the making, in planning, and then two months of 14 Artisans from China literally hand building these hundreds of lanterns in the traditional way. What I'm really proud of is the cultural component of this event. So, on top of these hundreds of extraordinary lanterns, we've got storytelling explaining some of mm-hmm. the significant stories in Chinese history that are represented in some of the lanterns. We've got arts and cultural and performances. Yeah, on you stage.
7: were sorry to interrupt. You yeah. were saying that one of the performances is out of this world. Yeah, they've got
10: um, a Chinese face change which is a tradition that goes back over 300 years in China, and it is considered to be a level two national secret in China. We've got a performer here from China that will be performing that throughout the run of the event.
7: So every evening throughout the the run of the event, um, there's a couple different performances in the evening. So an amazing uh, scene down here, Chris. You really have to see it to believe it. Thanks so much, Laura. Thank
10: you.
1: All right, they'll give you a deal on tickets when they... uh when you bring a family, too, it sounds pretty good. So I know a lot more details on, uh, on the right. website. That's right. We'll check in a little bit later. Thanks a lot, Christy. Well, one of Santa's elves is creating quite the stir in the tiny interior B.C. community of Fernie. The red-robed Christmas helper keeps popping up in the oddest of places, and no one is quite sure who's behind it.
15: Ted Field explains. A festive man of mystery has arrived in Fernie, Since the beginning of the month, a large elf has been spotted in locations
4: throughout the city. I haven't spotted him yet, although I've walked around and I've checked the town. I've driven all around, but he's elusive. He's a big elf. I've never seen an elf that big.
15: But what are the true motivations of this elf, and who does he work for?
10: Well, we had word from Santa Claus that there was a secret mission for the elf, and so the elf and his team have been
7: deployed to 30 uh, to keep an eye on things uh, up until Christmas. We celebrate St. Nicholas, the German Santa, on the 6th of December, and the elf appeared at our school that day, and we thought maybe the elf was friends with St. Nicholas. He might
15: still be writing a naughty and nice list for the big guy, but his true mission of making people feel the spirit has already been successful.
2: He was way up on a telephone post watching the Christmas train uh, two nights ago, so that was pretty neat.
3: It's bringing people out and bringing people together, and that's uh, that's what we want this time of year.
14: It's fun that it kind of pops up in different shops, and it's good for kids.
7: As mysteriously as the elf arrived, he disappeared. So our students think that it is uh, trying to promote goodwill and kindness for the holiday season.
15: And if you want to check out the elf spirit, he'll tell you on Twitter... Ted Field, Global News. Everybody's on Twitter.
1: NASA has made another spectacular discovery, a new planet and solar system. And scientists say they couldn't have done it without the help of artificial intelligence.
8: The Google AI system has been able to search through that pile of information much faster than humans have been able to dig through it.
1: As it's called, is in a solar system very similar to Earth's. It was found using Google AI to analyze data captured from the Kepler telescope. Kepler-90i is too far to travel to and too hot for humans to live on. But scientists say working with AI technology will be a big help in their search for possible alien life and another habitable planet. Astronauts on the International Space Station will be getting an early Christmas delivery. Three, two... One. And SpaceX is sending an unmanned rocket Dragon to the ISS. It's carrying more than 2,200 kilograms of goods and supplies. The payload is expected to arrive on Sunday. And one of the coolest SpaceX parts NASA of this mission be was the rocket's re-entry. A sonic boom passes across the Florida space coast. It's yes, the deployed. Falcon 9 first stage... It made a pinpoint landing back at Cape Canaveral Air Force Station. Today's launch is a first for SpaceX. Both the rocket and the capsule had been previously flown and were recycled for this mission. The first time both have done that together. All right, Barry's in for sports tonight. Nice to see you. Nice to
3: see you. Are you sure they just didn't reverse the video? There? It looks just like Just have it, the it? rocket go back. That's it's a pretty good, uh, you know, parallel parking stuff. Never mind
1: that. Uh, amazing technology, <laughs> yeah, yeah, isn't it? The computer's doing
3: the driving. Yes, in that yes, case. that helps for sure.
1: Uh, what's happening in sports?
3: Well, of course, you have got Canucks uh, taking on the Sharks. Hopefully, Vancouver has a little better effort in them than they had in Nashville. And uh, of course, this time of year, families, you know, have a fight sooner or later maybe. But uh, this next family takes it to a new level.
1: A lot of bad breaks for the Canucks so far this
3: season. <sighs> yeah, you know, it's going so well. Literally the last 10 days, it it's crumbled. And it's too bad because it, yeah. it was fun to watch those guys. But not so much anymore. Thanks, Chris. The uh, hockey gods continue to pile on the Canucks. Today, they revealed another injury to a key player. Their best defenseman, Chris Tanev will miss two to three weeks with a groin strain. So he joins Bo Horvat, Sven Berchi, Brandon Sutter, Derek Dorsett, don't forget, and Eric Goodbranson on the injury list. Sutter's still seven to ten days away. Goodbranson could be back inside a week. So the Canucks are seriously undermanned. So in order to have any chance of winning, they have to do all those little things right.
1: You know, our details have to be good right now. Uh, I I preach them a lot. And when
3: you're when you have guys that are out in injuries then that part of your game is something you have to lean on make sure that we uh, play our our type of game again and get back to our habits playing aggressive uh, out competing them and making sure we're paying attention to small details and uh, i think if we do that we can get the results we want we had a good meeting this morning uh, i think i think we all realized what what uh, kind of effort we need to be successful right now uh, uh good defensive uh you got to expect to, to win these games 2 1 and, and uh, uh, play like that too. I think uh, if you do that, we'll have a good chance. All right, speaking of injuries, the Leafs have been without Austin Matthews for four straight games, and there is panic in the Southern Ontario market. But they did get off to a good start tonight against the Wings. Andreas Borgman shot, pinballs off a couple of Red Wings in front and into the back of the net. 1 nothing Leafs after one, but Detroit tied it. And then mid second, shorthanded, Trevor Daly scored. 2-1 Detroit, and that's where they stand right now in the third. And we show you one more, Kings and Rangers. L.A. leads the Pacific Division, 11 points up on the Canucks. Marion Gabrick's had a pretty good career. He used to play for the Rangers, too. Minnesota played for a few teams. That's his 400 first career goal, but this is his 1,000th career game. So nice to score in a milestone game. And then Gabrick in here, stopped by Lundquist. Torrey Mitchell on the rebound. Goal and an assist for Gabrick, 2-2. But no fairy tale uh, ending tonight. Rick Nash scores with under three minutes to go, or with about three and a half to go, and the Rangers win four to two. The Whitecaps have filled the void left by departing goalkeeper David Usted. The Caps have acquired former LA Galaxy uh, keeper Brian Rowe in exchange for a second-round draft pick. Rowe played six seasons with the Galaxy, and will battle New Zealander Stefan Marinovich for the starting goalkeeper's job with the Whitecaps. Well, for the most part constant fighting can tear a family apart but that is not the case for one port moody family fighting is what's actually brought them together and has led to great success in the sport of mixed martial arts moms and sons spar about things all the time but these two actually spar Obviously, they're not your traditional family. Both happen to be professional MMA fighters. Julia Budd is the Bellator World Champion in the women's featherweight division. And her stepson, Lance Gibson Jr., just won his pro debut last week in Oklahoma. Julia married Lance's dad three years ago, but has been with him for a decade. And in that time, mom and stepson have forged a very unique, special relationship.
6: I call her Jules. She's uh, she's my best buddy at, in the cage, out the ca- outside the cage, at home. Whether we're hiking, whether we're walking the dogs, doesn't matter. She's she's one of my best friends. Her name's Jules to me. So <laughs>
10: he's got the biggest heart, and he puts so much time and effort into training other people in the gym um, that watching him achieve his dreams is uh, you know you know fills my heart.
3: Lance Jr. literally grew up in the MMA gym. His dad, Lance Sr., fought in the UFC back in the early days in the 90s and early 2000s. Back in the day, my dad would always tell
6: me stories of me being in a car seat, going to training with him morning and night every single day, and literally the minute I could walk, I was, doing, I was throwing punches, I was throwing kicks, I was wrestling, I was doing all that, all that kind of stuff. I used the gym as my playground, basically. And it still
3: is. Lance Jr. helps run the family business, Gibson MMA in Port Moody. Both pitch in teaching classes, and when that's done, it's time for their own training, often together. It's it's awesome training with her because
6: she prepares me, I prepare her. We're both each other's coaches, and uh, yeah, it's it's just uh, awesome having her in the family.
10: He's so mature for 22. It's like he's one of my teachers, you know what I mean? Like he's talking to him is Yeah, it's not your regular 22-year-old.
3: Julia is 12 years older at 34, and she's got something Lance Jr. is working towards, a world title. She'll make a second defense sometime next spring. I've only imagined of being a world champion myself and for my
6: teammate and coach to do that and my stepmom as well. It's it's amazing. It's it's really really cool. I'm so proud of her in every aspect of life. She she walks the walk. She doesn't just talk the talk. She goes in there and she does it as well.
10: Seeing that he can do it all. He's an amazing teacher and he's also an amazing fighter and I, I know he's going to be a world champion
11: one day.
3: Now, that's a close family. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact they're on the outside looking in at this moment in the NFC playoff picture, the Seahawks can take a huge step toward winning the NFC West Division on Sunday when they take on the Rams at CenturyLink. If Seattle wins, they'll tie the Rams at 9-5 and five, but would have the tiebreaker based on head-to-head meetings. But those Rams always bring it when they play the Seahawks.
0: When you put two physical-minded um, teams together, you typically get a good football game. So. Uh, that's always been the case. It's been the case since I've been here. Uh, they've done a phenomenal job and obviously had uh, extreme success with it this year.
3: This is probably as well-rounded a team, and I've said that the last couple of weeks because we've been facing teams that are, just have their act together. These guys are great in special teams. They're playing terrific defense, and their offense is way out there averaging over 30 points a game, so um,
15: it's just we have to do everything right to have a chance, and, and that's what we're preparing to do
3: and we'll finish by showing you this that is brooke lopez of the lakers free throw attempt ball. second attempt brooke lopez the nba players airball now he does make uh 22.6 million dollars per year he needs to hire a coach to to take some free throws look that
1: was so embarrassing but
3: not even close i mean you're a basketball player well, you should, you know. Well, I say you're one of the top five. Got, you're one of the top five at Global, personally. But, uh, yeah, thank for you sure. Very much You'd for make our starting
1: lineup for sure. I would start on the bench.
3: Some. Drew, she'd
1: be in there. She's tall. She sure would. Yeah. And she's here now with a preview <laughs> of Global News at 11. Ann.
10: Thanks, Chris. Heartless thieves have stolen a family van outside of Children's Hospital. Brad Perkins telling Global News his son is currently in hospital with intestinal failure. The family arrived from Campbell River and is dependent on that van while they are here in Vancouver. But earlier today, Perkins says his. Vehicle was stolen on heather street inside several valuable tools the father says he uses to help make ends meet we'll hear more from him when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock chris
1: right, we sure hope they get that van back thanks very much and a bittersweet weekend for star wars fans that's up next but first here's kasha badurka with five things you can do with your family this weekend kasha
12: Thanks! The magic of Christmas is in full swing at Bouchard Gardens near Victoria. Enjoy the lights, decor and their 12 days of Christmas displays throughout the gardens. The Vancouver Chinese Lantern Festival begins today at the Peony. This five-week celebration of Chinese culture features massive lanterns, engaging performances and incredible food. Tomorrow, Santa arrives at the Britannia Mine Museum by helicopter. There are photos for the kids and all kinds of festive activities and displays. The first 50 kids To arrive, get in free. Get some holiday shopping done tomorrow at the New West Craft Holiday Market. That's at the River Market in downtown New Westminster. Shop one-of-a-kind artisans and try some local treats. It's on until 4 p.m. It's always a good time to enjoy a free skate downtown at the Robson Square Outdoor Rink. It's an annual local tradition. But if it gets too mild, call the hotline to ensure the rink is open. For more on these events, head to globalnews.ca slash five things.
1: Global News Hour at 6.
7: I'm Christy Gordon with your snow report for this evening. Finally, some fresh snow across southern BC. Whistler-Backcomb saw two centimeters fresh snow in the last 24 hours and there's more on the way this weekend. Grouse and Cypress didn't get any fresh snow, but their bases are incredible at 170 and 178. Sasquatch saw five centimeters fresh snow. Revelstoke Mountain Resort saw four centimeters new snow and Manning Park won, but Powder King got hammered with a good 10 centimeters in the last 24 hours. Into the interior now, big White and Silver Star, no new snow, but their bases are really healthy at 105 and 97. Sun Peaks saw one centimeter fresh and Apex three. Coming up on ET Canada, Matt Damon comments again on the sex scandals that have been humiliating Hollywood and faces a backlash, plus a preview of the live musical version of the beloved holiday classic, A Christmas Story. All of that is coming up at seven right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris. All right. Thanks very much, Cheryl
1: the opening weekend of the new star wars movie is expected to be the biggest of the year and the movie is enjoying some pretty rapturous reviews but for longtime fans the euphoria is bittersweet because the movie marks the last appearance of one of the iconic actors who started it all
15: by now after forty years we've grown accustomed to the lines the costumes the unwavering
13: passion. Just because we just finished it, I'm so psyched. It's,
8: it's rapturous. It, you, you can't, yeah. you walk out tingling. It's, it's, a, it's an
15: incredible experience. But this time, there is something different. It's Carrie Fisher's final performance as Leia.
13: There was a round of applause and kind of a sad feeling. You could just tell everyone was sad.
15: Today in Boulder, Colorado, Seth Haber closed his business, Trek Light Gear, early just so his staff could go watch Star Wars The Last Jedi. I have to hope and I have to dream that it's going to be the best, best thing ever. Already, the film has raked in $45 million at the box office, the second-highest Thursday night preview ever. It's the eighth episode in the franchise. It's about
11: family. And that's what's so powerful about it.
15: And for Fisher, who was 20 when the first film premiered, it's the role that made her a star. She died just months after filming her scenes for The Last Jedi.
0: It's so hard for me to think of her in the past tense because she's so alive in my mind in the film. She's just wonderful.
15: After 40 years, her force is still strong. Joe Fryer, NBC News, Los Angeles.
1: Just talking about the awesome weaponry. The, the lightsaber. lightsaber is yeah. just the best yeah. weapon ever in filmdom. Uh, since December 18th, 2015, how many Star Wars movies?
3: I believe three, right? Yeah. yeah.
15: How many Cleveland Browns victories? One. <laughs>